you are divine. Hello there, my authentic seekers, and welcome back to Divine Authenticity. Ah, it feels good to be back a second week in a row. I feel like we lost our consistency there for a moment, and it just feels good to be back here being consistent, putting out an episode every week. And I know that so many of you missed it. I get DMs on it on Instagram all the time being like, are you going to come back to the podcast next week? I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I get it because I'm a podcast listener myself, like not of my own podcast. I mean, sometimes, but I listen to podcasts when I'm doing things. So I totally get it when like your, when your fave host is not producing, it's like, ah, I miss their podcast. So Um, I'm just here to deliver, you know, I hope y'all are having a fantastic Monday and that you are enjoying whatever season it is for you, because I do recognize that not everybody is dealing with summer right now. It's gotten a little bit warmer here over the last week where I live, but nothing too crazy. That's one thing I will say y'all like update living by the water, still loving it. Um, one thing I will say is like, I literally tell the universe every day, this or better where with where I currently live, this or better, because I recognize that there are some things about my living situation that I would change. Like even in proximity to the ocean, I would almost like to live a little bit closer because my house is kind of set back, even though it's technically, I would still consider my home a waterfront home. But like, I do wish that it was like slightly closer. So I do feel like there's some minuscule things I would change. I think that's something that also we need to discuss more is how, when you get your manifestations, like when you manifest something major in your life, it is okay to be satisfied, but then to recognize that once you're in that situation, you're going to realize how you want something slightly different. That happens a lot. And it's not that your manifestation was wrong or imperfect. It's that you don't always know what you want until you've experienced something different. And that's like everything in life, in my opinion. So, um, I do not want to move anytime soon. I love this house. I'm so committed to making memories in this house right now. Uh, that's like really important to me, dude, dude, did I just call y'all dude? Ew. (laughs) Um, y'all, uh, I was thinking about it today and I realize the re like, okay. So I think I said this in the last episode that this summer I was like, Oh, I'm so committed to summer, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is going to be so good. I'm not going to do fall in July. And then I literally pulled out my fall candles a week into summer. Um, but something that I realized is I have been like, not previously, not right now. I'm very excited for fall right now. But previously I hadn't been very excited for fall to come this year. And I figured out why (laughs) I figured out why I haven't been feeling that autumnal glow like I usually do. Um, it's because literally since 2019, I haven't been able to enjoy my autumn. Like in 2020, we were all doing pandemic shit and the holidays were really weird that year. All of the holidays were really weird that year. So that was already like one year was kind of off and whack. Circa 2021, I was going through a mental health crisis and I moved October 1st. I moved to Wash. Well, technically like September 29th, 
I moved to Washington state the day before the first. So I didn't really get to enjoy my autumn. My house was a mess. I was going through a mental health crisis at the time. I was not okay. I was not comfortable. I didn't really get to enjoy my autumn. And like one of my ex friends visited me, which like they weren't my ex friend at the time, but like there were a lot of things about that time period that like, I don't even want to get into that, but like ultimately at the time I thought it was an excellent idea to have this person come and stay with me and like basically meet for the first time in person because we'd never met before. It was like an online friend, but in retrospect, I wish that I had waited and that's not their fault. Like they asked me multiple times, is it okay? Is that a good time frame? And I really thought it was going to be okay. But I actually feel like I wish I had staggered it because not only was this a new home for me, like a new place that I was living and I was not settled, but then like meeting somebody brand new, I already was not in a good mental place. Like it just, that was just not a good time. That October was not good for so many reasons. And then October, 2022 circa October, 2022, um, I was going through housing crisis, the apartment that I had moved into the previous year. Uh, our rent had gone up by an astronomical amount. We could not afford to stay there and we had to move again. So, and thankfully we did. It was a blessing in disguise. I love where we live now. And I, I will like, I'm so committed to making so many good memories in this house. I love this house. I speak good things upon this house every single day and thank it for housing me literally. But <laughs> Um, like I had to move again, literally right after Halloween. And I didn't feel like I could really celebrate fall once again, because I couldn't even, I couldn't even really like afford to live at the time. So now this is the first year, literally since 2019 that I feel like, oh my God, I'm actually going to be somewhere like stable for the autumn. I am mentally feeling good. I am physically feeling good. Uh, and like, even like financially, I'm coming to this place of stability and I just like, things just feel really good in my life right now. Like I, I'm almost hesitant to say it because I don't want to jinx that shit. But like at the same time, I always remind myself the better it gets, the better it gets. Like, it doesn't have to be that the shoe is about to drop and some shit is about to happen. Like things can just be good and better things can still happen. So I'm actually like really excited for autumn this year. Um, y'all, I'm going to get that fucking 12 foot skeleton. <laughs> if y'all don't know, I think it was in 2020, the 12 foot skeleton came out and literally that shit sold out and they didn't realize how popular it was going to be. Now you have to like pre-order it, but it's a skeleton that comes from Home Depot. It's literally 12 feet tall. I'm going to get the fucking 12 foot skeleton and like freak all my neighbors out. I can't wait. Um, and like, I actually, am, I have plans to like decorate the outside of my house. Cause I've never lived in a house before. This is my first year with like my own yard, my own house. And I am going to go all out for Halloween and like Samhain and celebrating Maybon. There are just like so many good things that are happening in my life right now. Also, um, I don't know how it's all going to happen yet. I'm literally running on blind faith right now. But my husband and I are plotting a trip to Tokyo for our 10-year wedding anniversary. 
Um, there's a lot that's going to have to come together before that time period. And this episode is being pre-filmed. So like, I don't even know where I'll be at that point. Like there are so many bills I still have to pay. There are people that I owe money to, and that has to happen first. But like, I'm just a girl out here with big dreams and I, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like I need to voice it to someone Sometimes you just know, sometimes you just have this, like, this is what I mean when I talk about like clear knowing I I've talked about this in the last episode too, that like, I have clear knowing sometimes I just know when shit is going to happen and it's a feeling and I can't deny it. And I really have this strong feeling that we really are going to go to Tokyo. Like we really are going to make it happen. It is going to manifest. And I also feel like when you're in that state of such deep knowing, you're also able to manifest easier because you just, it's like without a shadow of a doubt, you know, it's coming. I don't know how else to explain it without a shadow of a doubt. I know it's coming. And yeah, we're planning to go to Tokyo for our anniversary this year. I've never been to Tokyo. I've never been to Japan. We're planning to spend time in Tokyo as well as Kyoto. And we're doing like, so far, it looks like we're doing like 10 days. We're going to go to Tokyo Disneyland. Uh, I'm just, I'm so excited fucking excited. Like my husband is such a weeb and I wouldn't consider myself a weeb, which if you don't know what that is, I don't even know what the definition of a weeb is, but like he's really into anime and Japanese culture. And I love that for him. Uh, he himself is a Chicano or is Chicano Mexican. Uh, but yeah, he's a big weeb. He loves Japanese culture and loves anime. He's shown me a lot of great animes in my life. I, I watch anime. I'm into it, but um, yeah, I'm just like really excited. I'm going to eat sushi and take so many cute pictures. You don't even understand. And it's 10 years being married. So we really want to like do something really special. And I just, I just feel it. I don't know how else to explain it. Like it is an all encompassing, like I feel it in my bones that I'm going to, to Tokyo for my anniversary this year. So yeah, we're doing that. We're making that happen. Um, that's really exciting. Can't wait. Super fucking stoked. Uh, we have, my husband and I have actually never traveled internationally together. So I'm excited. And also that was like, I feel like I've told you so many interesting things, <laughs> but, um, I also want to continue our ask Chloe segment because we had to cut off the last episode because there were like, I think I had technically chosen like 13 questions. We only got through eight of them. So we are going to continue the ask Chloe and see what else y'all asked me. So question number nine, which is where we're at. Uh, I also want to say, obviously go back and listen to the last episode if you didn't, but you don't have to, if you just want to listen to this one. Uh, I still feel like we're going to pick up in a good spot. So, um, I was asked, how much is too much to ask of a partner? Which I think is a really funny segue because we were just talking about my anniversary and now we're talking about romance again. Um, I'm feeling unfulfilled, but I hate to ask things of him when he's working seven days a week and constantly stressed. I'm chronically ill, so I'm unemployed and home alone every day. And even when he is home, he's stressed and wants to numb everything out. So I'm not getting any contact that I'm craving. I've mentioned some things about how I'm doing and he seems receptive, but things have barely changed and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do anymore. I'm trying to work on myself because I have the time to, but I have a really hard time knowing what's right, what's wrong and right anymore. 
I would very much appreciate your perspective. Thank you so much. So I love this question, uh, because I have to tell y'all that, and I've had, I've talked extensively with my spouse about this. I'm not spilling any tea. Uh, you know, we are very much on the same page now and we're actually like me and my spouse, I would tell you truly, I feel like I'm more in love with him right now than I ever have been in my life. But 2022 and probably up until like, I, I mean, gosh, I honestly feel like it was like all of the time that Mars was in Gemini for like those seven or eight months that we just had a really long Mars and Gemini transit. My relationship was fucking tested. Okay. My husband and I are that couple that we always talk about how like we still live in the honeymoon phase and we love each other so much and we don't understand how other people don't. And like, because we just never had that perspective and those eight months while Mars was in Gemini, we were tested. Okay. I have never been more upset with my spouse before. I have never been like, I don't even know how to explain this without going into every single detail, but like we just constantly were rubbing each other the wrong way and never had we experienced that before. We've always been like, you're my bestie. You're my lover. Like, I don't even, I feel like truly my husband and I have the relationship that like people dream about literally, like we have such a gorgeous relationship and we communicate with each other like therapists. Like when we have a problem, the way that we even fight, I feel like is just very mature and we don't stay mad either. But the reason that I love your question and I feel like I'm qualified to answer it is because I've recently just come out of that. And, um, I, I really get what you're saying when it comes to, especially the feeling unfulfilled and you want like more connection, you want more from that person, but they continuously seem like they pull away. And obviously I don't have your exact situation. I'm not in your exact relationship. I don't have most likely the same chronic illnesses. Our lives are different, but just from going from this place of like, I just want more from my person. And I feel like they're always numbing out and ignoring me and nothing's changing. I do have a perspective on that. And I feel like the thing that helped me really get it and make changes that actually made a difference were number one, I'm going to recommend this YouTuber to you and I will do my best to remember to link it down below, but just in case I don't, um, I try, I really try to listen to my episodes back and like do that, but sometimes I'm human and I will forget, but there is this YouTuber. Her name is Margarita something, not Rita Kaminsky. That's somebody else. There's this YouTuber. I'm literally scrolling through my subscription feed so I can give this YouTuber to you their name because they're just so, they were so eye opening for me. And it, this, when I tell you this YouTuber literally changed my life and changed the course of my romantic partnership with my husband, like healed, like, yes, I put in the work, I put in the work, my husband put in the work, but like this person's content was so good for me and our relationship that I genuinely feel like because I implemented the stuff that this woman talked about, it literally healed my relationship. Her name is Margarita Nazarenko. So Margarita, and then it's N-A-Z-A-R-E-N-K-O. 
And she also has a podcast called Becoming Her, I believe, which is also pretty good. But this woman, she has a lot of videos where she talks about the anxious attachment style and the avoidant attachment style. And as I was listening to her content, I recognized that I had a very anxious attachment style. I would actually say that I was kind of a mix of both. I would get anxious, but then I would also detach and want to avoid. So I'm not saying that you deal with this. You might fall somewhere else on that spectrum. However, what you're explaining to me ultimately is that you want more and they're not really leaning into that. So what, and honestly, like, I love that my husband doesn't listen to my podcast because I feel like I'm about to give away all my secrets. <laughs> um, and I want you to get the relationship that you want. Okay. I want you to have that princess treatment. I want you to feel like your partner is obsessed with you and so deeply in love with you and wants to give you all that time and attention. So I, I feel like these are things that I would tell him, like genuinely my husband and I don't have secrets and I don't play games with him. That's like a big part. I feel like of a healthy connection is to not do that. But I do feel like there are some things that he just doesn't need to know. And I can just make changes to myself. And that's what I want to talk about more is not about changing him or her or them. I guess you did not No, you did say him. It's not really about changing him. It's about changing yourself. And you said that you were like, I can work on myself. So you're already going in the right direction. In my opinion, you're are, you already have the light bulb moment. You already know that like, okay, I need to work on me. So depending on his attachment style and everybody has an attachment style, it doesn't mean that everybody is anxious or avoidant. There are also healthy attachment styles as well. And I would encourage you to look into this and see which one you two might fall under because you could be two people that have a healthier attachment style. It doesn't have to be something that needs more healing or more work, but I would recommend that you look into this. Um, YouTube, like I said, look at that girl's channel. She talks all about it, but she talks about how she was very anxious avoidant or no, sorry, anxiously attached, which I believe that I have become anxiously attached. And this, I feel like you could also say is like very codependent. You can become codependent and that's not a dirty word. I feel like when we say the word codependent, people like immediately like shrink back and think that it needs to be something that's so shameful. It's not all of us deal with codependency to some degree. That's normal. It's normal human behavior. However, when it becomes too extreme, it can lead to the relationship, like the other party wanting to detach more. So how do we heal this? How do we work on this? Again, I don't know what your attachment style is. You would have to tell me, but just from my perspective, from what you're saying and from my own experience, what changed for me was I stopped making my husband, my number one priority. And I know that sounds bananas. Like if you want that person's attention, shouldn't you be trying to actually get their attention? But no, actually you kind of have to pull back. And this is if your significant other is avoidant, which from what you've told me, it sounds like he might be, but I can't prove that I'm not a mental health professional. You also would have to do your own research because you know him better than I do. But from what you've explained to me here, this to me looks like avoidant behavior and going with that example, just for just for what I'm about to say, when you are with somebody that has an avoidant attachment style, something that really helps honestly, is to focus on yourself, focus on you, do what you need to do. And in the same breath, 
If you ever find that you're asking for more and you're constantly asking for more, even if you're not being aggressive, even if you're not like, it doesn't mean that you're like, you didn't do this. And like, it doesn't mean that you're nagging him. Okay. It doesn't mean that you're nagging him for attention. You might be, but it doesn't mean that you are. But a lot of times the avoidant will see that pressure as like another way that they're not fulfilling you. And so they will continue to avoid and suppress. And so basically the ideology here is, is that you want to focus so much of your time and attention on yourself that you do not even try to control at all how they think about you or perceive you. It's hard to do, especially if you're anxiously attached, it's really hard, but the more that you pour into yourself, I don't know how to explain how this shit works because I'm not a psychologist, but it like makes you more attractive to them and they will constantly feed back into you. And the second part that I want to add to this is if that doesn't happen, if you start working on yourself and you start to feel really good, you start to pour a lot more energy into yourself and you notice that he does not ever take any interest, that it doesn't change the dynamic. Do you want to be with someone that refuses to notice you. That to me is like the real question is because I think that that comes down to like the brass tacks, if you will, the, the final note, the bottom line is what are you willing to be okay with? And what are you not? And I think even when it comes to partnerships, we have to ask those things. There might be some things you are willing to put up with, but there might be some things you are not willing to put up with. And if you end up pouring more into yourself, focusing more on you and actually doing that and nothing changes from his end, that's what you have to ask yourself is what does this partnership fulfill for me? What does it do for me? And I'm not saying that you need to have this like Everybody gives 50-50 because 50-50 in relationships is bullshit. It's literally some days you're going to give 70 and they're going to give 30. Some days you're going to give 90 and they're going to give 10. Some days they're going to give 80 and you're going to give 20. Like it's relationships. You're always trying to give the whole hundred together in the best way that you can. But it is not 50-50. I would say that it's rarely 50-50. However, if you find that you're still consistently unfulfilled, I would ask you to ask yourself that. What does the relationship give to you? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Because at the end of the day, you would want to be with somebody that does pay attention to you, that does care, that does want to not numb out and wants to be around you. And it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong or that there's something wrong with you. It actually could just be them. Literally, it might not have anything to do with you, but you won't know until you try that. So that's what I would say first and foremost. 
There's one other point I want to make within this question. You have given me zero indication. This is literally just for the podcast, for anybody listening that does this shit, because I think it is such an important point to note. And this is shit that I have done. And I want to talk about it a little bit in here. So something in my own relationship, like I said, you've given me no indication that you do this. I'm not telling you that you do. Something that I noticed in my own relationship as I've been working through my own anxious attachment is that I nag. Chloe Taylor, she's a nag and I can't believe it. Like I used to think that that just wasn't me. Like I've seen other people nag, but Chloe's not a nag. Chloe's the perfect wife. She is like a vision. Okay. Chloe is the best person to live with. She'll cook you a delicious meal. She'll do your dishes. She'll rub your feet. She'll take care of your laundry and she'll work a full-time job doing her own shit. But no, she doesn't. <laughs> no, she doesn't. If I ask my husband to do something and he doesn't do it within a timely manner, I'll ask him again and again and again. And this was something that I didn't even realize I was doing until I listened to myself. And I was like, fuck, I do that. I am a nag. I do nag my spouse to do shit all the time. And I also intervene a lot. This is something that I think is really common in partnerships, especially long-term partnerships, is if I noticed, if I'd asked my husband, hey, will you take out the trash? And then he doesn't do it, but I know that trash day is coming. And like, let's say he's not home for whatever reason. And I, if I didn't already go and nag him to do it again, I would get up and go put that trash outside and I'd be angry about it. This is something that my parents do. Okay. I learned this from watching my parents and they have a relationship. They have a situation ship. Like I do not want what my parents have. Um, and I, realized that I have always done this. I would ask my spouse to do the dishes. And then if he didn't do them in a timely fashion, I would just swoop in, do them and be angry about it. So it's like a common pattern that I was doing. And I just, I literally didn't even know that I was doing this. Like I couldn't, like, I literally could not see it because for me, I was like, ugh, this man just gets to live in this amazing house with me. And I just do everything. And like, part of it gave me like gratification. I felt like I could do so much. I was doing so much but it would make me resentful towards him. And so this is what I did. And it has dramatically, dram like night and day, it has improved the quality of my relationship with my significant other. So if this sounds like you, if you do this shit, this is what I need you to do instead. Ask for what you need once. One time, ask once. And then when the trash doesn't go out and trash day happens, you don't remind him or her or whoever. You don't remind them and you do not take the trash out. You let that trash pile up. You don't say anything again. Because when you're not constantly intervening and trying to avoid the catastrophe and not mothering him or her, we're going to go with him because I'm talking about a man in my life, and not mothering him, he will get mad at himself for being like, ah, shit, I was supposed to put the fucking trash out. And if you're not there to save him 24 seven from doing that, eventually he will handle it. And it's the same with anything. I used to do the same thing with finances. 
I would be the one that was always worried about the bills. Oh, make sure you pay the phone. Oh, make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Make sure you pay this. You know, oh, the, the light bill's due. It's due this day. Did you pay it yet? And recently I actually turned all the finances over to my husband and I said, I can't deal with the stress of this anymore. You got to handle it. I'm cool making money. I'm cool being a full-time worker. I don't mind that. I love hard work, but this kind of work I don't like. And can you just manage the finances? And I don't even want to look at the bank. Like, I don't even want to focus on this. I want you to focus on this. And he was so happy to accept it. He was open to it. I've always done the financing from the moment we put our banks together and or our finances together. I've always been the manager for like 15 years almost. And he was happy to take it over. And there were some hiccups. There was a like, we did have, um, <clears throat> our phone got cut off at one point because he didn't check in and like pay the bill because he forgot. But instead of reminding him constantly, hey, the bill, hey, the phone bill, hey, the phone bill, hey, the phone bill, we had to deal with a reconnect fee. And when I let like, I'm not saying I was sitting here just like playing games with my spouse being like, haha, I'm watching you falter. I was just like, okay, I'm not going to sit here and pay attention to this. He's not paying attention to it. So I'm not going to pay attention to it either. And you would think that what would happen is we would dig ourselves into a hole, but we didn't. It actually gave my husband the confidence to be like, oh shit, I have to think about these things. This is what you've been doing for 15 years. I have to pick that up and do that. And it has dramatically changed the way that we function because he has recognized all of the like weird little sacrifices and things that I've made for so many years. But on top of that, it's given him his own sense of self-confidence and self-esteem that I'm not just going to come in there and fucking steamroll him and be like, Hey, you know, like to me, it, it can be like emasculating to hear that, to be, and I hate even saying that word because I feel like, what does that fucking even mean? But like, I do, I feel like it's, you're just like shooting that person down constantly for not doing enough or knowing that you could handle it better. But if you don't even give them the opportunity to try and you're always nagging them to do it or swooping in to save them, like that's just not the kind of relationship I wanted to have. And so I decided to take it upon myself to learn how to change that. And it all kind of led me back to learning about the anxious attachment style and also learning about how I was mothering my spouse constantly. I know that's not anything to do with what your original question was. I just wanted to highlight that for a moment for anybody out there that has gone through the same thing where you've been in a committed partnership and like you just feel maybe like you're the one that's always doing it all. And you don't have to be the one that does it all. It's okay to ask and make requests of your partner and then not nag them to do it. And the thing is something that I have also realized, and I feel like a lot of the things I'm saying right now, there are some people that are just, it's not going to sit right with them because they just don't see relationships this way. And to that, I say, you are so allowed to have your own opinion. This is just my opinion. Um, I feel like for me, in my relationship with my significant other, like I am the prize and I'm not like, Oh, you didn't win me at a carnival, but like, I am somebody that is meant to be treated like a princess. I am somebody that is meant to be met with respect. I am somebody that is like he, in, in my relationship, the dynamic to me is that he should want to pay those finances to make sure that I am fed and taken care of. Because when I'm thriving, he is honoring the goddess. And when he is honoring the goddess, 
everything in his life is easier. It flows better. His finances are better. Like, this is such a deeper conversation than I'm giving it credit to right now. And I feel like I get really weird talking about this stuff because I do feel like right now there is a lot of, I don't ever want to give the impression that it's always got to be like a man and a woman. Okay. I never want to give that impression. I'm just only ever speaking from my perspective and in my own relationship. I think that this can work no matter how you identify, no matter what your gender is, what your sexual preference is. I think that these dynamics are still something that you can have if that's what you want. But from my perspective, that has really changed. When I have changed how I treat my spouse, how I treat myself, it has completely shifted our dynamic. And I do feel like I am somebody that I am in the process of like, my husband does treat me that way. He treats me like I am a prize. He treats me like I am a, I always say princess because I could say queen, but fuck being a queen. I don't want the responsibility of being a queen. And that's on being a Sagittarius rising. I'm, I would always rather be a princess with less responsibility. Do not give me responsibility. I do not want to rule a kingdom. Um, no fucking thank you. I will always pick princess over queen. Um, you know, he does treat me like a princess. He does open my car door for me. He does bring me flowers home when he comes home. He does like those things that matter to me. He does those things. And ultimately there was a long stretch of a period where I didn't feel that way, where I felt constantly depleted. I felt like he never paid attention to me. I felt like I was just here doing everything so that he could be in his office playing video games. Like that was just the reality. And now I don't feel that way. I feel like he feels comfortable in his responsibilities. We have identified what those are a little bit more. And we've also identified what we need more from the other person. And a lot of that came out of me no longer deciding to nag my spouse and also giving up responsibilities that I frankly just have no interest in holding and he is capable of holding them. And the other thing I want to say about this before we move on, I know this has been a lot. The other thing I want to say about this is that if you're somebody that you feel like you have to intervene or things won't get done in your house and you're worried because you're the one that does it all, Something that struck me and Margarita talks about this, that woman's YouTube channel, she talks about this in one of her videos and it like struck such a deep chord with me in a good way that it literally shifted my whole perspective was when you take your hands off and you stop trying to control everything around you because it's a trauma response, being the person that's always trying to control your reality at every turn, even in your partnership it's a trauma response. It's you trying to keep yourself safe. But when you let go and you let them actually do something and have responsibility and take that up, it allows you to see, and I'm going to use phrases that make sense to my relationship. It allows you to see what kind of man they are without you. Like that was something that like Margarita said that just opened my eyes. And she was like, don't you want to know what kind of man he is without you intervening all the time. Don't you want to know? Don't you want to see? And you could say person or woman, you know, whatever fits for you. But that was her thing is, don't you want to know what kind of man he is without you always coming to rescue him? And 
I think because I, I was always raised to be like a nurturer or a caretaker. My dad was really the person that did it all in my life. And I feel like I very much take after him. And so I was always the one doing that. And I felt prideful doing that. It felt like this was the role I was supposed to fulfill. And the more and more and more and more I have let go and I've allowed myself to sink deeper into just receiving. And I feel like this gets into like the masculine feminine energy divide as well. Um, which we could talk about at another time. I just don't really know what angle I want to come at it from. But my point to that is like, don't you want to know who your partner is without your intervention? Don't you want to know who they are without you having to come in and rescue them all the time? Don't you want to know what kind of changes they'll make when it's them on the line and not you? And like, obviously don't put yourself in any kind of danger. Like, I would assume that these things would happen with non-life threatening things. Like, you know, if your bill doesn't get paid once, like, oh, well, like doesn't get paid once. Usually there's a grace period. Somebody will figure it out. Like in my case, my cell phone did get turned off. I, it did get suspended and we were able to fix it eventually. But from that point, my spouse who was handling all of the bills and stuff, he learned like I didn't have to rescue him. And again, it wasn't like I was just sitting back cackling like a witch in the corner being like, ha you're going to fail. It was, I literally also put it out of my mind because it was not my concern to worry about it. I'm not the financial handler. Anyways, this is a very long winded speech about relationships. Some of it addressed your question. Not all of it does. The main point though, that I wanted to make to you is keep doing what you're doing. Decide that you want to continue to work on yourself and become so self-focused, literally become selfish. And I don't mean selfish in a catty or gross way. I think we need to take the word back. Become so self-absorbed that he has no choice but to be curious about you and what you're doing because he's going to notice a change in you and it's going to go one of two ways. Like either he will notice and things will change because when you make a change, your reality does change regardless. Energetically, it will shift. But if not, and things continue to proceed how they are, that's at the point where I would be hiring in a therapist or I would be asking myself, what does this relationship give to me? And am I willing to let things stay the same or is it time to move on? So like, and genuinely, I'm not just saying that. Like I feel the same way, even in my own partnership, I've been in the same relationship for literally 15 years, married for 10 of those years. And if that was the state of how things were and I made changes and they were not willing, I would be asking myself that question. Like, what does this relationship give to me? Is it worth continuing? Uh, because life is too short. So next question, do you ever feel like you meet resistance with anything or like you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone to do things? all the time, <laughs> all the time, all the time, all the time. Um, there is a lot of things that I meet with resistance. However, I'm a pusher. Okay. Just like in Mean Girls where they call, uh, what the heck is her name? The teacher. She's a pusher. Um, gosh, what is her name? She's like the coach of the mathletes. Um, Tina Fey's character. Anyway, she's a pusher. Um, I feel like I meet myself with resistance a lot. And I do have to push myself out of my comfort zone to do things. However, I think that that is a give and take. There are time periods where I have to push myself out of my comfort zone a lot because I know that it's going to grow me in a positive way. 
And then there are times where pushing me out of my comfort zone will not do good for me because I'm not ready to grow that hard. And I know that about myself because I know myself very well. And I feel like things that push me out of my comfort zone that I know will help me are like, I have a history of becoming very codependent and anxiously attached as we've been discussing and pushing myself out of my comfort zone in a safe and positive way that still like makes me struggle a little bit is like leaving the house by myself. Okay. Going to a coffee shop by myself. That is something that I frankly just don't really do very often because I just don't. I have a lot of resistance to it. I'm a little codependent. I like going everywhere with my husband, especially since 2020, because we were always together and I've had to really work on pushing myself to go and do things by myself. And so I do feel like I, that's something that like, that's a comfortable growth, right? It's not going to push me so far out of my comfort zone that I'm going to be like, not okay or unfunctioning, but it's something that it will make me uncomfortable at first, but I'll be happy. I did it later. Now, something that would be uncomfortable that would push me out of my comfort zone that is uncomfortable. I feel like that's the thing is it's, it is a spectrum, right? You want to push yourself just enough to grow, but you don't want to push yourself so far that you're flooding your nervous system and you're going into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, and you're not able to actually learn anything from the experience. That's kind of the gauge. Like, is it going to be a safe uncomfortability or is it not? So basically your question was, do I ever feel like I'm like I meet resistance with anything or like I have to push myself out of my comfort zone to do things? Yes. But you have to decide, is it a safe uncomfortability or is it going to flood your system so bad that you're not going to be able to actually get anything out of it? And if you can't get anything out of it, to me, it's not worth it. Like do thing, do something smaller or something slower that isn't going to push you so hard that it's just going to like shell shock you to go right back into your shell. Um, that's what I'll say about that. So the next question is how to deal with your own mother cursing you example. You will never live a luxurious life or you are destined to mediocre husband. I live with my parents. So how do I protect myself from their curses and words? So listen, I feel like I love this question. I mean, I hate it because I hate that you're dealing with this, but my mother literally used to say these things to me. Um, she would tell me that all of her children, myself included, there are seven of us were destined to never have anything, right? We were, we were always going to, we might own our cars, but that would be it. She literally said the words that we would never amount to anything. We would never own homes. We would never have nice things. We would never have high paying jobs because in her eyes, having financial status is the only true reward in life. And how depressing is that? Uh, she literally said that to me though. And it was something that I'm grateful that she said it because it literally pushed me to accomplish so many things at the same time though, eventually I had to learn how to accomplish things for myself and not to try to impress my mom. And that was a whole lesson in and of itself. But, um, I feel like I have experience with this is what I'm saying. And how do I deal with my own mother cursing me? So first of all, I would highly encourage you to work on curse removal. I would also encourage you to purchase like Florida water or some kind of smoke cleansing agent. So it's whatever you feel called to. Uh, I feel like, you know, obviously sustainable sage is a good idea. Uh, Palo Santo I've heard works great. I really like using my own like 
my own homegrown rosemary bundles. Uh, you can use lavender. You can use incense. You can use... Um, I can't think of anything else. Those are my top answers. Uh, Yerba Santa, I know is really great too. Uh, but I would, I would recommend a smoke cleansing agent or a Florida water, Florida water. I love use it all the time. I live in love by that stuff. I've also heard that Rue is really good, but I've never used that before. Um, uh, but Florida water, I really like, and I would encourage you to look into hex removal, hex and curse removal, because it doesn't like, if it's something as simple as this, I do believe that mother's words are powerful. But to me, if this is something that's being said like every day, because they're so miserable, you have to first start with protecting yourself and removing what's already been done. And once you are up on your protection, those curses will fall flat because you're already putting a protective layer around you. You won't have to consistently do curse removal all the time. And the second thing I will say is do whatever you can to stop living with your parents. If that is an option. And I say if, because I also do recognize that like sometimes your parents are sick and you need to be there. But ultimately number one priority is to get out of that house. Uh, I personally, I talked about this in the last episode when somebody asked about being in a toxic situation, uh, priority number one is getting out of that house, getting out of that house and away from that environment, because that will continue to bleed your energy dry over time. And you frankly shouldn't have to keep such spiritual hygiene like that. You are allowed to be your own individual person. I'm so sorry that your mother acts like this. I fully get it and understand it because my own mother is a toxic human being like that. And I'm really sorry that you deal with this. Definitely make it a priority to get out of that house, no matter what it takes. You deserve better. And I hope that helps. Next question. I would love to know more about your confidence journey and how you cultivate self-knowing, trust, and love into your everyday. One of the things I admire about you is that you radiate bad bitch confident energy, and that's something I've been working on my whole life. I love the way you speak with such confidence and show up as your authentic self with strong boundaries and give no fucks what others think. I used to be more like this. And I know that part of me is still inside longing to be let out. I can feel it every day. I know I have something special to share with the world. It's just the struggle of being seen and putting it out there. Any tips or advice would be appreciated. Thank you so much for being you. Oh, this is so fucking kind. Thank you so much. I love this. Okay. So in terms of confident, bad bitch energy, bad bitchery, we love bad bitchery in this house. Um, I do think that, uh, I have a really weird relationship with this and mine is definitely not for everyone in the sense that for me, the thing in my life that held me back the most, I put the most distance between the thing in my life that held me back the most was family. And I hate to say it because I do love my family. I've come back around. I'm a lot closer to a lot of my family members, specifically my parents. And I would say even my husband's parents, it was hard for me. Um, me and my husband's parents have a different relationship now. Love my mother-in-law. She is such a queen and I'm so fucking blessed to have her in my life. Um, my own parents, very toxic, still very toxic. I don't talk to them very often, but I would say those were the number one factors that really were shutting my confidence down. And also I would like to add in my husband's parents' case, it wasn't even really their, I mean, it was their fault. They chose to be that way. However, I need to remind everybody because I genuinely do care about my mother-in-law. Uh, my husband and I were very young when we got together and though they should have blamed their son for his choices and not me, uh, 
I recognize that that was their first, right? My family, I'm the youngest of seven seasoned parents. Uh, that was their first and they're only together. So I could definitely understand why they would have chosen to blame me for a lot of the problems. And my mother-in-law and I have even talked about this. Like I'm not trying to just dig up old shit right now. She and I have had lengthy conversations about this. Um, and it was something for a long time that really affected my confidence. Like I had never in my life, even as like a young adolescent had parents not like me ever. I'd never had parents not like me before. I was always somebody that parents wanted their kids around because I was super religious and like didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't sneak out of the house. Uh, the only thing I was doing unbeknownst to my parents was having sex uh, at age 17, like I was almost 18. And that's like the only thing I was doing that like really went against my parents' rules. Um, and it wasn't like you can't have sex. It was like, no, nah, it was pretty much you can't have sex. It was like remain absent until marriage, blah, blah, blah. Uh, which we all know that's a crock of shit. But um, I would say all in all, I was a really good kid. But like having parents not like me, honestly, it created a lot of trauma in me. I won't lie. Like I've had to really dissect that as an adult. And like I said, I've talked to my mother-in-law at great lengths about this. We have a much better relationship now. Uh, things are different. They're not like that, but that was something that really shot my confidence down. And so I would remove myself. Like there was a time period where I deleted my Facebook because I didn't want my like mother-in-law seeing my life truly, because I was so like afraid of her and I would never be that way now. I'm so much more confident in myself, but same with my own parents. They are like the number one contributor to me having a lack of confidence. So I do not interact with them. And I know that that's not for everybody. Some people feel like they cannot make that choice to just not interact with their parents. I also don't live in my hometown. I haven't lived in my hometown for the most part since I was 18, except for those brief nine months that I moved home. Um, never again, but I feel like that made a huge difference in my confidence was I didn't surround myself with people that made me feel less confident because I feel like I'm highly susceptible to that. I'm highly susceptible to being around another person and trying to like mirror at them their same energy. And I feel like something, excuse me, something that I've recently come across as well not only do I feel like I put distance between those people at, at like, honestly, the prime years of developing my confidence, which was 20 to 30, I really did that without having people around me that would affect that negatively. I felt like I was really able to grow at my own pace on my own terms at some of the most like crucial years of my life. And I feel very privileged to have done that and very blessed to have continued to create that life for myself. However, people aside, parents aside, something that I think is important because you know, you see, I put myself out online all the time. It is scary, but putting myself out there online and still remaining confident is you have to realize that judgment is not a bad thing. Like it is, it can be, people can be nasty and they can be mean and judge the person that you are. It happens to me on the daily basis, but Everybody judges. You probably judge people. Even if you don't tell them that, you probably do. I do. There are people that I see certain things and because of my own life experience, I judge a situation. We're all guilty of that. 
where it's human. It's human nature to judge. I try not to, of course, like honestly, genuinely, I try not to, I try to take a perspective of, I don't know that person's life or what they're about. Um, obviously I reserve a lot of judgment for my own parents because I do know their life to an extent and I see how they live and that's different. Um, I feel like we always have a, a special spot for those people in our, in our minds and in the way that we judge. But I do feel that if you can reframe judgment and remind yourself, number one, everybody does it yourself included. And number two, Judgment does not have to be a bad thing. People can pass judgment and that can just be their hot take. You don't have to give it so much power. We give judgment so much power and here's why. Because we think when somebody judges us, it means something about us. It means that we're a bad person. It means we've done something wrong. It means we're uneducated, we're ignorant, we're ugly, we're fat, we're stupid, whatever. You know, I'm just throwing some words out there. But like we think that if people judge us, it says something about us. And what if they're right? But here's the thing. Number one, what if they're wrong? And number two, even if they are right, it's just judgment. It's just words. Everybody does it. And this is something that I do feel like I've had to continuously learn throughout my own journey. Like even recently, I posted on my Instagram a TikTok or a reel, excuse me, where I said, don't say, I don't know, say, I don't know yet, or I'm, I don't know yet. And I'm open to finding the solution because that creates thoughts of trying to reach for a solution instead of just copping out and deciding that you don't know, and you're not going to search for the answer. And so many people responded with, I don't know, is a trauma response. And like, of course there's nuance to what I said. Um, and like another person was like, you just added yet to the end of it. Like there were, there were people that had things to say that were not totally in agreement with me and they had their own formed opinions. But here's the thing based on their life experiences, what they've been through, what they've learned, who they are, who they know, and everything that I don't know anything about because I'm not them. And I don't know these people. They have their own opinion of the phrase, I don't know. It doesn't mean that I did something wrong by putting out what I think of that word or that phrase rather. It doesn't mean that I've done something wrong or that I don't make room for the nuance in my personal life. They don't know me. They don't know that about me. I knew the moment that I posted that, that I was going to get, I don't want to say a backlash because I feel like that sounds way more negative than it is. I knew that there were going to be people that had opinions on the contrary that would judge the things that I said, because it doesn't matter what it is. Any hot take that you put out online always has an opposing opinion. Any opinion that you have, in fact, any one always has an opposing opinion or a counter thought. And the more that you are open to a letting people say the shit that they going to say, and also not being so married to the things that you do think and that you're like willing to change if something makes better sense to you. I feel like that makes it even easier if you use it as an opportunity to learn. However, sometimes people are just going to judge and be shitty. And you have to remember again, that it doesn't say anything about you. I think that's like the most powerful lesson of of like gaining your confidence back is realizing that everybody will like, not everybody, but people will judge no matter what you do. People will make a judgment. Like even if you post something 
and nobody says anything, somebody will scroll past your post and think something. And that's okay. You do the same thing. It's okay. (laughs) And on top of that, I feel like my no fucks attitude, I feel like I honestly was on the fast track because I feel like I actually used to give a lot of fucks. And then I realized how sad and miserable that made me when I gave so many fucks. I was really like, just not happy. I didn't feel like myself. I was full of everybody else. As I like to say, I always say be full of yourself because you've already tried being full of everybody else. And where has that gotten you? Be full of yourself. Like, why do people even say that shit? The fuck do they even mean? You are full of yourself. Your organs and shit are in your body. Like, you are full of literally yourself. (laughs) I always say that. Always be full of yourself because you've already done tried being full of everybody else and just recognizing and like mending your relationship with judgment because that is really it is that you have associated that judgments or a lack of confidence. And like people tearing you down when you want to be yourself, you've already associated a story with that. And so addressing that story can change everything. So that's what I would say to that. And also practice, 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 practice. Because the first few times I put myself out there, ooh, I was scared. Ooh, I didn't want to have an opinion. And still, even to this day, I know that you don't see it because you get a very curated version of what I do. I have recorded so many podcasts and just trashed them and been like, nope, I said too much. I shared too much on that one. We need to put her in the garbage and start again. Um, Especially over the last few weeks, I feel like I've recorded so many episodes of this podcast and I've just deleted them because I've been like, oh, you shared too much, Chloe. So trust that I still deal with it myself. I am not somebody that is like always giving no fucks. There are time periods where even Chloe Taylor gives a little bit of a fuck. So, um, thank you for your question. I hope that that helps you. And then our final question of the ask Chloe segment is how do you support yourself as a content creator? Curio, what behind the scenes support is the most important? So he's not here to answer for himself. So we're not going to answer that part of the question, but how do I support myself as a constant, or I think you meant content creator. And what I will say is This is actually new territory for me. And I know that sounds insane because I have been an online entrepreneur, content creator since 2013, uh, officially like paid, but really 2010. So I've been here for like 13 years. I'm a fucking dinosaur online. And how do I support myself as a content creator? I think the way in which I do it now, which is definitely the best version is what I want to talk about because it's taken me a long time to cultivate these things. But number one, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, which is something I have dealt with more recently, I have to remind myself, like I start to get in my head sometimes about like, even if I have private readings scheduled, okay. And they're going to be late. This happens all the time. And I, hate that because I don't ever want to be late to a private reading. However, the, the, the thing is when you are channeling for an individual person, I don't always know if I'm going to be able to fulfill a certain reading on a certain day, because sometimes the energy is just not available to me. And it's honestly one of the reasons, like, I always think I'm going to phase out private readings because I don't always have the energy to show up consistently. And that's something that I feel like anybody who does in that, like deals in that kind of work, 
like needs to just be aware that sometimes the energy is just not going to be there for you. And I always remind myself though, in the moment, however many readings I have in queue, instead of judging and shaming myself for not getting them done in whatever timely fashion, I will literally say to myself, if I have like six readings in queue, I will say, it's okay, Chloe, you can disappoint six people today. Like, yeah, that sucks, but we're all adults and adults can deal with disappointment. Like genuinely, because they don't want me showing up with bunk ass energy. They don't want me showing up overworked. They don't want me showing up and not being able to give the best to their reading. And I don't want to give that to them either. So that's like number one, I remind myself, and it's the same if I'm going to make a YouTube video, if I have to skip a week because I'm overwhelmed, I will tell myself like, well, on average, my videos get like 14,000 to 20,000 views. Can I disappoint 20,000 people right now? And that number might seem a little more intense, <laughs> but I remind myself that yes, yes, I can. I can disappoint 20,000 people right now. Like, and I feel like most people wouldn't even be disappointed. It's probably like 200 people that would actually be disappointed and be like, damn, I was really hoping for a Friday upload. You know, it might not like the number might not be that high because a lot of people that watch my YouTube channel don't actually subscribe to my YouTube channel. So like a lot of randos end up on my channel. Uh, and then on top of that, um, same with the podcast. Like if I'm not going to put out a podcast because I'm overwhelmed, I remind myself like how many listens do, does an episode get maybe like one to 2000 listens. Can I disappoint one to 2000 people? And like I said, those numbers seem a little scary, but I remind myself there's maybe like 50 people that camp my podcast and are waiting for that Monday upload. And it's okay. My mental health matters more than that. And that's something that I've really had to work on. Now, with supporting myself, like, I wish that there was a little more to this question. Like, do you mean financially? Do you mean like mentally? What do you mean? Like what kind of support? Because mentally speaking is what I always tend to lean into. And I feel like that's kind of the thing is it's like, not only do I ask myself if I can disappoint people and the answer is always yes, because adults can handle disappointment and like that really helps me put it into perspective. And also I ask myself if my energy is like messed up, do I want to give that kind of energy to people? And no, I don't. So we're not going to do that. Um, I also feel like I, when I'm feeling like I just need to be like more supported through creativity, um, I have the privilege of having my own home office and I will literally close the door to this room and not enter it for like a whole weekend or multiple days. I will not come into the space. Uh, if I feel like I just really need a break, I will not come in here for anything. I also will not read tarot cards for myself. Like I will completely disconnect from the practice because I feel like that actually helps me to do that when I feel like I've just done too much and I'm a little burnt out. Um, what else? I feel like this is honestly like a whole podcast. I feel like I could do a whole podcast on this question. So I feel like that's where I'm going to leave it for right now. I feel like those are like good answers, but I'm going to keep your question in mind and 
like, I don't know what I'm going to call that episode, but like ways that I'm supporting my creative career. Like, I don't know. I'm going to come up with something though, because I think that would actually, this would actually be a really good podcast topic. Like there are so many things I could say and I'm not going to lie to you. It's two 30 in the morning and I'm tired. I should be in bed right now. <laughs> so this this was good though. This is a good talk. I had a good time. So thank you so much for tuning in for the rest of ask Chloe. Thank you for all your amazing questions. Be sure to check out the forum down below if you want to ask something in a future segment and, uh, don't forget to check out all my social medias. If you want to book me for a reading, if you want to get my authentic course, well, authentic self course, uh, if you want to watch my YouTube videos or follow me on social media, I'm at Chloe Taylor. And, uh, remember we are trying to get to a million listens this year in 2023. So if you know somebody that would benefit from this episode, or you think would like the podcast, please, please, please make sure that you send it to somebody that you know and love, because right now I think we're averaging like one, I want to say it's closer to like 2000 listens an episode. And I don't even know what it would have to be in order to hit a million. I need to like do some math on that and come back. But, um, you know, I think we're getting close to like 300 K listens in total and I want to hit a million and we've got like six months left. So, um, send it to somebody, you know, in love and, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please like leave it a rating as well. If you haven't done that, leave it a rating on Apple or on Spotify, no matter what, like give me some engagement. If you haven't done that, it really does help me to actually get seen by more people. So, um, in any case, I love you so much. Please do not forget when you stand in your own authenticity, you empower everyone around you to do the same and I'll talk to you next Monday. Bye.